Welcome to the Future of Space. I'm your host, Daniel Fox. Today we have a special guest. We have Dr. Sine Proctor. She's a geoscientist, explorer, space artist, and astronaut. She was on the mission, uh, the mission pilot for the Inspiration4 All Civilian Orbital Mission to Space. She's also one of the Explorers Club 50, 50 people changing the world. Her motto is called Space to Inspire, where she encourages people to use their unique, one-of-a-kind strength and passion to inspire those within their reach and beyond. Sign, welcome to the future space. Thank you for having me. So, you've been to space, and I want to know your three words to describe space. Awesome. Adventurous, Earth light. Earth light. Earth light. Earth light. I threw you off with that one, didn't I, Daniel? A little bit. It's awesome. Keeps coming back, and I think that for the the, the last one, you're you're gonna be like, this is your word. This is the one that's owned by by sign. How? Why? I mean, obviously, there's a lot of stories. There's a lot of division. Um, there's a lot of contradicting narrative, but beyond the technology and the science of going to space, what do you think is the human story, the nature story of going to space? Well, I think the you know the human story is exploration to some extent. You know, um, why go? Because I can. <laughs> it, it, it reminds me of my seeker poem that I wrote. You know, it's uh, I wrote that for a former astronaut Richard Garriott when he was going down to Challenger Deep. Um, and I wrote it last year before I knew I was going to be a, an astronaut on Inspiration4. But I feel like it really sums up, you know, um, this whole endeavor. And so it's a synquane. So it's a certain type of poem. And so I just want to read it to you. Absolutely, please. Why go? Because I can. It's what humans do. We explore, we observe, we learn. Seeker. And then that's the image that goes that I drew to go with it. And so um, I just think that part of that human endeavor is because, to some extent, we are curious um, beings. And we want to know. Um, not only do we want to know what's out there, we, we love the ability to, to figure out how to do it, um, you know, the process of discovery. And, uh, and because we have that ability to imagine and then create, um, it just opens up so much opportunity for us to go and do things uh, that, you know, we, are the things of science fiction. Uh, and I love that about the human endeavor. And so when we talk about the human side of that, you know, what comes along with that is a lot of what makes us human, our ability to connect, our ability to communicate in new ways, our ability to create music and art um, and to inspire. Uh, those are the things that when I think about us going to the moon, Mars and beyond, that we really want to be able to take that humanity along with us that human what makes us human and and it's through our ability to create and imagine and share it's really i think that the human species is the 
we are ambassadors to life. I mean, some people will say, you know, we're a bad species. I think we just, we amplify, we're the, the best and worst of life. We, we take its beauty and its capacity for greatness to new level, but at the same time, sometimes we can in, engineer its cruelty to, to other level. But life is always looking to expand and to go to new places. And the human species has been successful in kind of creating a certain um, stability in in that in that going somewhere. Like every time that we find ourselves to the beach, we look at the ocean and we want to get on that on that ocean. If we if we don't go, is because we haven't figured it out how to go. But as soon as we figure out how to go, then of course we're going to go, and then we're going to figure out we're going to find our way to cross to navigate through the stars and to map i mean i'm i'm every time i get in, onto a boat and i travel to other to new places i'm baffled by the work that they did back in the days the mapping of navigating the 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 the, the effort and the work done is just mind-blowing and now we're going to space I do believe that there's, I was talking to Scott uh, Perzinski, uh, who you know, that I think that the end, in the evolution of exploration, we have surpassed the human cost of exploration. If you, if you think, if you look back in the days of navigation on the ocean um, or even going on the mountain, there was a tremendous amount of human cost because just of the, the, the physicality and the risk of it. I don't think that we're going to experience that, even if we go to space in places that um, are totally alien to us, because now we have the capacity to send robots. We have the capacity to study so that by the time we get there, we don't have that human cost. What do you think? No, I totally agree. Robots are paving the way. And that's one of the things that makes it even more interesting is um, because we have the ability to imagine and create and develop, um, innovate uh, the world around us, we can take and, you know, um, think about the lessons learned and we can send out, uh, you know, these robots now. Uh, and as, as artificial intelligence just continues to grow and stuff that are going to be able to do things and set up um habitats and space for us um cycle recycle the air and and uh create habitat habitable space so then when we do land we are able to um come into a space that is more supported than it ever could be before uh and that's that's pretty exciting i mean the fact that we had a helicopter fly on mars is extraordinary to think about that um but so it just gets me excited about what's going to be happening over the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years. I find, I mean, getting goosebumps when you talked about the um, helicopter on Mars, because when it, when it launched, just the, the engineering aspect of what this represented, a helicopter on the top of a rocket, well, first of all, a helicopter tucked underneath the rover at the top of a, of a rocket shooting up with the gravity through space, traveling all the way to Mars, landing on the rover landing on the crane, 
and then <laughs> flying into an atmosphere that has never been i mean we've never been there we've never been to this to this planet and we have this going on for me it's just i mean if someone cannot believe in the capacity of greatness you know of the human ingenuity i don't know what to say it's it's incredible it really is and so that's one of the things that gets me excited about um the tomorrow the future is what will we do next the you were part of inspiration for when inspiration for went up and there was a the project was initiated with jared what he created the story that he created for me is um i come from a background of marketing and design and storytelling inspiration for was for me a 12 out of 10 in terms of what the space story could be there was absolutely nothing to complain everything was just great from the the way that jared chose the team for the to the fundraising to the documentary on netflix where we learn about your past your father all these elements the human story um it was just so captivating and it came right at the right time because there was this kind of momentum of negativity about you know the billionaires and then suddenly inspiration for happen happens followed by William Shatner, um, iconic moment. Your story, like, tell us about the excitement of the project, because I think that, that for a lot of people, they saw it for the achievement, but I think that the human aspect of this, of this story, of the inspiration was absolutely uh, groundbreaking and inspirational. Yeah, you know, I, I agree with you that um, Jared, and the Inspiration4 team really thought about the impact and significance of what this mission was going to mean to the world and to history and, and to the future of spaceflight um, and this, uh, this idea of what I call a Jedi space, a just, equitable, diverse, and inclusive space. And how do you go about um, manifesting that? It takes time, effort, thoughtfulness, and, and to be able to say, um, I want to, you know, do an orbital mission, but then to say the first civilian, all civilian orbital mission, but I, I, I want to take four, three people I don't know, you know, for Jared to be like, I, I, we're going to do it this way. We're going to get three people um, and we're going to have these pillars of hope and generosity and prosperity. And then, of course, his pillar of leadership. And we're going to come together and we're going to inspire the world. Um, to what uh, the next phase of human spaceflight is going to look like. And, and then in the same way, we're going to raise $200 million for St. Jude Children's Research Hospital because as we solve for space, we solve for Earth. And, you know, and we got to do good here. And so to me, I, when I learned about Inspiration4, I was just like, what? Like, what is this? This is this amazing thing that's been put together. Uh, not even just from the same point that I was going to be a part of it. Just when I had learned about it, I was like, whoa, because I had heard about some of the other ones that were coming, you know, Axiom and, um, and of course, the suborbital flights. And, and then this came along and, and you're just like, wait, this is different. This is special. Uh, and, and then to get selected to be a part of it, um, it was the, you know, I call it my Willy Wonka moment where I got the golden ticket, you know, 
or uh and then when and then the funny thing is when Jared said you know and I want you to be the mission pilot that was my Harry Potter you know you're a wizard you know and I'm like me you're a mission pilot <laughs> wait what of a dragon spacecraft uh and so it's it just literally last year and we're coming up on our one year anniversary of our announcement uh the 30th of march was when we announced the world i learned that i'd gotten the prosperity seat on march 7th and so this time last year i was still in this like deer in the headlights like what is going on um as we're getting ready to announce and my family didn't know and in just so much around that but um I think that, again, to create a Jedi space, you've got to have, you got to be thoughtful and, and, and with intent. Um, and, and so that's what they did. Now, obviously, your life has changed tremendously in the last year. But how is the sign person has changed? If we, if, if you looked, if you went back a year, you know, ago before and now your art your 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 own personality how different did this experience make you well you know it's interesting because um i think the experience uh it, it changed my well it, it refocused me on a couple of areas that are important for me that i want to you know make my priority um now from you know, post space life is what I call it. And, and so one of those things, and now I have a platform to be able to do some of these things and my art and poetry, um, being able to share my experiences through that and just to get people to, to, um, know that I am an artist, um, and I am a poet, uh, and that I want to continue to develop that craft. Um, but also coming back with some fo key focused areas of, you know, astronomy outreach um, and oceans, ocean exploration and um, and just bringing awareness to uh, the role our oceans play. And, you know, and these are things that were already in my my wheelhouse to some extent as a geoscientist, but I didn't put as much focus on them as I am now um, with intent moving forward. And then also, you know, sustainability. Um, how do we um, be more a better stewards of our environment. And I think a lot of this is going to manifest itself through my art and poetry um, and being able to reach a demographic, you know, br bridging that gap between the science and the arts and really coming together to create uh, a new kind of narrative, I feel like. Recently, I posted on The Future Space this article about the necessity for uh, creative storytelling and artists uh, going to space. I, I mentioned about the Renaissance the, in, in Italy, and part of the success of the Renaissance was people with a lot of money and power saw the vision and necessity for artists to create the vision of the future. And, you know, we think of the Leonardo da Vinci's and some of the, uh, uh, some of the, uh, the sculptors and art and music. And going into space, and I, I make the point that Axiom and SpaceX and all the Sierra, uh, Sierra uh, space, all the big companies should actually, should actually compete to have the, the best in-house artist, the storyteller. 
because that's what artists do. We tell the human story and then we create a vision of the future while you have the engineering, you know, figure out how to do it. Um, how excited are you about the place of artists in that story coming up for space? Oh, I'm super excited, you know, and, and it's funny you you mentioned the uh, Renaissance because, you know, my call sign is Leo and a lot of people are like, um, Leo, because you're, you know, that's your, your astrology sign or, um, Leo for low earth orbit. And I'm like, no, it's Leo because my crew members considered me to be a modern day, uh, Renaissance woman, a modern day Leonardo da Vinci. And so my call sign is after that. And, and I, I feel very strongly and passionately about how we need to, you know, recombine these things. You know, as an educator, um, we try to track people either into STEM or into the arts or, you know, we separate out where there's art and science and there's science and art. And, and it really is about um, bringing back to some extent a new vision of what it means to uh, integrate these things into a modern day Renaissance um, society. And, and space has the ability to kind of trumpet the way. Um, and, and I feel so fortunate that I got, to, I, you know, I won my ticket to space as an artist and a poet. And in that's one of the things where I'm so proud of being able to, to say that uh, because I feel just like you were saying that, in order for us to be um, successful out into this new space that we need to bring the people who can tell the stories, who can, um, can visualize uh, the future and, and put it out there in a way that inspires people to want to be a part of it. How do you see that the, the reception now of a space? I mean, you've been traveling, you do a lot of awareness campaign, you, you meet a lot of people, you work with children. Um, how is the, the reception is, is really there's an increase, you see the increase and the desire and the motivation for people to get involved and to make a few, like to kind of shape that future of going to space. Yeah, I definitely see, you know, more people wanting to talk about space and be involved in what is happening. And that's exciting. And, and there's, you know, when it Halloween comes along and you get all these people whose kids have dressed, dressed up like you for Halloween, you're like, Oh, wow. Okay. Um, and them saying that they want to be astronauts and explorers and they want to be the first um, person to walk on Mars. And you just, you feel hopeful about the future because um, it's really, as again, as an educator, I think about how do we inspire um, the next generation to be problem solvers, but imagine themselves in that space, um, living, working, and playing, and uh, and that that's exciting. Um, but I, I, everywhere I go now, I'm seeing a lot of advertising um, and a lot of like kind of promotion around the idea of space. Um, in some form. And, and that, you know, we didn't have that five or 10 years ago. And so it, it makes me excited that it, we're reaching places and people that weren't reached before through, um, to some extent, the commercialization of space, allowing people um, like me to win tickets. Uh, you know, last year, 
the fact that Blue gives out um, a ticket to somebody on their flights. So you had Captain Kirk, William Shatner, fly and become the oldest person to go to space. Uh, you have, you know, Virgin Galactic uh, had a campaign to give away a seat to space. And now, you know, they, they selected uh, a woman of color from the Caribbean and her daughter. And that's exciting to see that that's going to happen. Uh, and so I just keep thinking, you know, what's next? Uh, you know, you sit back and, and you, you kind of wait and you're like, because it's exciting uh, to every day. I feel like there's a new announcement of something happening in the space sector that you're like, wait, wow, I didn't see that coming. This is exciting. Now, I've done a lot of solo wilderness expeditions and got myself in certain situations where independently of how much training you've done, there's nothing to compare that first time that you, your body is in that stress or that um, it goes into the fear and then you have to kind of mentally take deep breaths and, and remind, of, remind yourself of, of the training. Going to space, finding yourself in that rocket, independently of all the training that you that you did there must have been this sense of this is incredible the gravity obviously the rush of going up can you share with us a little bit of that experience when when you know the countdown happened and and the rocket went on Yeah, you know, it was nothing but pure excitement on my end. A lot of people were asking me, was I afraid and stuff? I was like, no, I was so ready to go. I was so happy that I made it to that moment. The fear was the in-between because you you, it's, you get selected and then you have to train and train and train. It's like getting selected for the Olympic team. Well, you still have to win the gold medal. You know, the day of the race is still this far away. And in that time, you can't get hurt. You can't get sick. We're living in a pandemic. You know, you're just like... Okay, uh, and you got you you got to be the best, you know. You got to do you got to perform. I mean, just because I won my seat to space, SpaceX um, made it very clear that I still had to qualify. I had to become the mission pilot. Um, I had to be certified that I knew the Dragon capsule and the systems, and I could perform my job. And so um, that that was a, a stressful six months, uh, but also exciting and fun, and uh, and I miss it. And then you get to the launch day and you're just so happy that you made it to that point. And in your, you know, when the countdown hits zero and the, you know, the, 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 um, the rocket launch launches up, you're just like, I can't believe I'm actually going. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm concentrating on my screen. So a lot of my focus was like on, you know, what is the flight computer train doing? They, they, they train you in the simulator again and again and again, me and Jared um, side by side, knowing exactly what we're supposed to be doing, looking at all of that stuff. And, uh, and it, that training just kicks in, like you said, and you do what you're, you're supposed to do. And then you get on orbit and, you know, you unbuckle for the first time and you're like, what is this strange world where you're floating in space and you're like, wow, this is crazy. And, you know, you get to um, look out back on our planet. And again, the cupola opening was the best moment. And when I think about my three words, earth light, whew, you know, as a geoscientist, I knew that the earth had a high reflectivity, but there, there's nothing better than earth light. And to, and to the audience, you know, when they think of like, what is Earthlight? You know, I, I would invite you to close your eyes and think about a full moon rising. And 
how you feel when you see a full moon rising and you're being bathed in moonlight and think about all the myths and the lore and the poetry and the art and all of that that is around moonlight well the earth light the earth light is a thousand times more brilliant and beautiful and um and exciting and and pulsating than moonlight and i got up there and I, I just was overwhelmed by it, um, particularly because, you know, off to the side of the earth was the moon. And I was like, whoa, the moon is so small compared to our earth. And, and you're just getting flooded in this bathed, I say, um, uh, in earth light. Now, you mentioned a lot about the training of going to space. Um, most of, and you know, for the astronauts, most of the training is as always focused on the physicality, the engineering aspect, the, the piloting. There has been a lot of discussion within the overview community of how an added aspect of the training is how to process the information that one experiences, you know, going up the overview effect, the, the importance of um, preparing people, giving them a structure and where they can, they can, they can build that experience that they're looking at. I mean, for me, you know, I've written about nature, uh, for, for 15 years, someone can go to nature their entire lives and never get to see a different perspective because no one is helping them kind of process, look at nature in that way, look at these dynamics. You know, try to understand the, 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 what you see. I think moving forward, as more people go to space, it's going to be really important also to train them or to prepare them to understand what they're going to see. This is the overview effect. This is one Earth. This is, you know, we're all coming from one place so that they're able to come back. And I think that were, that, that was one of the reasons why, you know, um, Captain Kirk, William Shatner, was really great at capturing the emotion of the moment is because he was primed to understand what was happening, you know, obviously from his background uh, as, a, as, a, as an uh, actor, you know, a science fiction, but also as someone who was trained to capture the emotion of the moment and coming back and he's like, and you have death and you have life. And it's, so how do you think, how much important do you think it is to include that into the training of people going to space to understand the overview and what it represents. Yeah. You know, I think that that's one, I think that's an important aspect um, to go in. And, you know, I think about the fact that um, I, I had that geoscience knowledge and then I also had um, the overview effect um, fresh in my mind. Uh, and, you know, and, and, and it's interesting because some people think, Oh, you know, they're waiting for like this moment, but it really is. Um, I, I feel like uh, if you can get trained in understanding how um, what you're feeling can impact you. And this is one of the reasons why I think Earthlight is a, a part that's overlooked or the Earthlight impact is what I call it. Uh, because, you know, when we talk about the overview effect, a lot of times people are talking about like you have to have this perspective of earth from this view. But when you show people photos and videos, they don't get the same 
they don't have the same impact. Like, you know, and, and so there's been debate about like, well, do you have to be in space to be able to, to have this? And when I got up there, to me, it, you know, it clicked into me that, well, it's a big component of that, I believe, of why astronauts get transformed is Earth light. Because just like I was talking about moonlight and how that has had an impact on us, um, you know, it's not just about that perspective. It's also the fact that the Earth is like beaming energy upon you and, 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 you're, and you're feeling it, you know, on your skin. And, uh, you know, I would love to figure out how to kind of like measure that, what I call the earth light impact a little bit more, because I feel like that that's a component. And if we can somehow capture that. Um, and so I wrote a poem called earth light. And, and so, <laughs> okay, this is um, earth light. I thought the moonlight was my guiding light until that day, my soul shimmered eyes wide and dilated with the realization for there I was being bathed in earth light tasered by the pulsating earth glow. My weeping ego quivers spellbound in awe at the cosmic chaos perched against the death, a clear beacon of hope and longing etched by complex molecules and spiraling DNA golden strands of energy cascading outward, encapsulating hopes and dreams, existence and affirmation. The baby's blanket ripped away. I howl at the sensation, love struck in suspension. My mind struggles to comprehend so much meta transcending time and space. Who will hear the cries of the generations? Afro-Gaia simmers under the weight of memories. I hold court among the stars and testify to the cosmos, all the hopes set adrift. Let us be set free in a sea of forgiveness for what we have not seen. If only we could all be baptized by earth light. Beautiful. I do we are a physical species. We need to experience things. The, the, there is, there's a huge difference between a simulated environment and the physicality of a real, when the body actually, we're, our bodies are this organisms of senses. And so we're made to connect and interact and process information. And obviously, there's so much that you can, I mean, you can simulate to a certain extent, but it, it cannot replicate this in real, in real life, um, connecting and, and taking in. And it's, you know, for me, I always say it's like even nature, it's an exercise of humility and perspective because I think your body recognizes when there's something that is bigger than, than it, than the body. Um, you can be in the in the best movie theater and having a space show with the stars and it's amazing but being by yourself or alone or even with group of uh, group of people in a desert and looking up into the night sky your your body your mind understands that this is something so much bigger 
So <clears throat> going to space and seeing the earth and the earth light, yes, you can, you can promote it. You can teach people about it, but it cannot be replicated because you need to be there. And if, if everybody can, if just going to space so that people can experience that, that, that by itself is a good, good reason to send people to space. No, I totally agree because you really get a sense of, um, just how special our planet is, I think. And, and, you know, and, and the added sensation of floating in space. So that, again, that's sensory. Um, and so I think that there was like, you know, the, to get the overview effect, it's about understanding, um, that there, there is this, um, transformation that can, can occur. Um, but some of the things that are involved in that transformation is that ability to be free of gravity pulling on you, um, having earth light bathing you, and then having this perspective of being able to see the earth in a way that you couldn't imagine before. Um, and, and you got to bring all of these things together. Uh, and along with the sounds of the, the craft and, and, uh, and the, and the knowing that just beyond the walls of the spacecraft is death. And so there's this, there's this all-encompassing kind of like thing that has to come together in order to get that sensation. Now, share with us a little bit about your creative process. I was listening to you and I was resonating a lot to the words and to the rhythm. Um, I know that myself, when I go out on expedition, I have this aha moment where I know like my brain, either I received it somehow, I don't know, but like there's a click where like, okay, I, 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 I have the vision of what I need to write and what I need to create. And even I can, there are days that I can stare at the screen and nothing comes out. And then sometime, and, and then for some reason on that particular day, on that particular minute, there's a click that happens. Is it similar to you or? Um, Absolutely. It is. Oh yeah. I'm one of those people who, you know, I, I will be kind of like, uh, I'll get this kind of thought in my head about what I want to create, particularly like visually. Um, and then I, I, I'll kind of like, it will be lingering there. And then I'm finally like, okay, I got to like sit down and just kind of start drawing and, and, and playing in this space. And then, you know, it, and then this something emerges and I'm like, oh, wow, I didn't realize that that was, you know, where I was going, but it always surprises me to some extent. And then, you know, when I write the poetry again, it's this, it was this nagging thing, like earth, like that poem was sitting there, it was waiting. It was like kind of scratching uh, in my brain saying, Hey, I'm here. I didn't have all the words and stuff, but then one day I just kind of like, okay, I got to write this out. You know, and I started putting it um, and massaging it and making it into this thing. And and then I was like, oh, you know, uh, and it's funny because it gets to a point where you're just like, oh, OK, that's what I want to say. It's done. Like, I, I'm, I'm good. You know, I can move on to the next thing. And uh, and I, and that's part of what I love about being an artist and a poet and having that 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 ability to create is that. Um, you know, it, it manifests for some reason and then you, ah, you get it out and then it's there living. 
out in the world for others to appreciate and hopefully take something back from it. Um, and, and then you're off um, building the next thing that's bubbling inside, uh, tapping into the cosmos, I guess, and, and being able to put that out again. And I feel very fortunate. Um, I, I kind of joke that I don't know who I'm channeling, but in the last two years, I've been tapping in into all kinds of creativity that I didn't know was there before. Um, and, and it's been a wonderful experience. You think that the, like that art, that creative um, outlets, I believe, needs a certain reality to to come out. That when when you're caught into the nine to five, it's a lot harder. And artists, they're by necessity need to live on the the fringes of society because it, it is their responsibility to remind the rest of us of a different perspective. Because once you're in that grind of the nine to five and you have a family, you have to pay the bills, all like most of the people will get into that same challenging place. You know, I always say it's really easy to be a monk up in the mountain in the cave when there's a little disturbance and you can just be one with yourself, you know. But when you come down to the city with all the distractions, even the monks have trouble getting, you know, putting their cell phone down. And I've always felt that our culture kind of lost, like the artists now are more uh, concerned about being marketable and where they can sell their things. And then it becomes more about content creating rather than artists. Like for me, content creators create for the public. Artists want to lead and inspire the public. It's not about getting that like, but it's about making you see the world in a different way. And if it's make you like, that's a consequence. It's not the purpose of, of what I'm trying to do. So I think more and more there needs to be a conscious decision to support artists uh, so that they can do. I mean, that's what Leonardo did in the Medici. They're like, here's the funds for a year. Do what you do best. I don't know what it's going to be, but I, I believe that there's going to be something. That would be amazing. Yes. That's the hardest thing is that I look at, um, you know, my, my situation and the fact that, you know, I have this stuff like this experience and this, this creativity kind of bubbling inside me, but I have no time. I have no time to put it out there because I still have my day job. You know, I'm still a geoscience, uh, um, professor, you know, and, and, uh, I have to pay the bills and, you know, I have all these other life responsibilities and so art and, um, and that ability to express myself takes a back seat to all of this other stuff that is on my to-do list. Uh, and, and I keep trying to figure out, well, how, how do I, how do I get supported in this space, this other space that I want to be in? Um, and it's not easy. You know, um, because again, you don't want to be like one of those people who's just uh, doing the things for the likes and the, and the, and the, and the, um, the, the quick money, because that's not about that. When I think about the NFT space and trying to, um, you know, provide art. And I was talking to a friend about, uh, I was on a podcast about, or a Twitter space about NFTs. 
and support and stuff and whether I felt supported in that space. And I said, well, it's kind of different because, you know, the kind of art that I create doesn't lend itself really to the kind that is happening there where it's this generative thing where, you know, it's, you know, personal uh, profile pictures and things like that. And, and so, um, you, you know, but as an artist, you're like, wow, it might, should I, should I be over there, you know, and doing this or, or I, it's hard to navigate. Um, I, and I feel very lucky that I have, you know, a small group of people who support me on my Patreon. Um, they're the ones who, if it wasn't for them, I never would have gotten to the point where I would have applied for, uh, inspiration for and won that seat. Um, and so they were the people who kind of like helped lift me up. And I, and I, and I'm glad that they have programs like that where you can, um, I have a postcard club. So, you know, they, they get a postcard every month from me with my art and poetry and, and I can, so I'm creating for, and if you think of Leonardo da Vinci and them, they had patrons, they had people who, you know, like you said, said, Hey, go and do this, um, give back to society. And, uh, but we need more of that, I think. And like you were saying, it would be great to see the companies that are putting people to space have, you know, robust, um, you know, artist in residence programs for artists to be able to be supported and be able to share, um, you know, the things that they're doing uh, with a broad audience. Yeah, if any of the big companies are, are out there, yes, you need to have your artists in residence and have people, and then you you know you give you give them a year to create something, and then it's rotating. But for one year, the artist has to create a story, a human story, and they can just let their imagination go uh, without feeling it's like okay, they need to get there. And it's not about how much following they have on social media because me that is total it defeats the purpose if someone is more focused on developing their their and it doesn't take away from the ones who are great at, at it it's just that the incentive and the energy is different it absolutely is and that was one of the things that i was so worried about for the prosperity seat because it was um, a twitter contest and when i finally decided to put my self out there and apply, you know, there were, they had people who had 5 million followers on Instagram and, you know, and, and, and on YouTube and hundreds of thousands, like, and I looked at that and it's easy to get intimidated and be like, Oh my God, they'll never pick me. Um, they're looking for somebody who's a, a big influencer in this space. Uh, but, you know, I told myself, well, if I just even apply and put my poem out there, uh, uh, it's a win. And, and, you know, that's the thing that when we talk ourselves out of opportunity, um, because we think, you know, I, I suffer from imposter syndrome, that we think that they won't pick us, that, you know, we won't be good enough, um, that, you know, there's other people far more qualified. And, you know, I try to counter that voice and say, you know, don't talk yourself out of opportunity. Let them decide if you're qualified or not. It's a win if you just put yourself out there and, and you put your name into the hat. Uh, and you never know when your name's going to be picked. And in this case, you know, golden ticket moment. Golden. Well, the, the golden tickets. You have your book out. I think I read correctly, but it did a big jump in the ranking in Amazon. But Space to Inspire, which is a collection of your of your poetry, correct? It's my art and poetry. So I take and I, I, I make art and then I write poems to go with it. And it kind of documents me as 
an artist and a poet over the last two years because again I started all of this was created from two th- the summer of 2020 onward where I was in like most of us cooped up in in because of COVID inside and needing a creative outlook and some people turned to baking and cooking or singing and playing music and I happened to be going through a divorce at that time. And so, um, you know, my ex-husband was in one part of the house and I was in my other part and I, and I needed something to do. And I decided that I would, you know, dabble in art. And so I started as a collage artist because I didn't consider myself, um, you know, an artist able to draw and paint. And, and then as I was doing that and sharing it, people were like, oh, this is really great. You should do more. And then I started dabbling in watercolors and then, um, and then line drawings and markers and really just kind of getting into mixed media because not being formally trained, I just feel like I, I just am uh, playing in this fun space. And, and, but I also wanted to find my authentic voice. Like this was visually, I've always been a visual spatial person. Both my master's and PhD research was in visual spatial. So creating something like that um, was important to me. But then, you know, adding the poetry allowed me to add another whole dimension to my art to express um, what I was feeling. And and I, I feel like my authentic self has emerged as a result of of this and and I feel so lucky and, and fortunate um, to find my voice in my 50s you know um, my authentic self emerging and and it's exciting and so this book of space to inspire the art of inspiration is um, I, I self-published it as my kind of uh, expression of how these last two years has changed me as a as a person um, by becoming an artist and a poet well, congratulations on this achievement. It's amazing now to have a book. Um, and it's out on Amazon and it's doing good. And it's, um, I think it's a, it's a wonderful thing to look back in the journey because, you know, we have our thoughts and our words and, and we have, you know, your painting. And I have, you know, in my book, Feel the Wild, the photography and the writing. But to have it together, creating a story feels it's quite compelling it's you know it's it's a nice achievement so i'm really glad that you uh, that COVID at least um give you the opportunity for you to um, to give you the book um sign so, so what's next now the there's a lot of we're a year after inspiration for um COVID is reopening uh, COVID is is becoming slowly something of the past the world is reopening you and I were going to be at Euros Night in April um, in Los Angeles, and then the one in Florida. Uh, there's, um, I know that last year you were at Ascent in Vegas uh, late in the year. There's a bunch of um, uh, events going on. So what's next for Sign? Well, you know, I am. I'm going to take a little bit of time off this summer. I, I used to take time off in the summers, uh, you know, as a college professor and travel. And I've missed that, you know, since um, 2020, us uh, going into the COVID lockdown, I, I really miss being able to just kind of find um, some time to myself, um, work on some art, work on some poetry, really kind of get my, my new 
orbit, you know, this new, this new thing, way in which I'm resonating um, in the world, a handle on it because I came back and I kind of just was like, yeah, I'll do this. I'll do this. And I was all, and I've been so busy and my schedule has been so packed for the last um, six months. And in the next couple of months that I've just said, you know what, I, I, I need to take a moment to reflect and, um, and just kind of take time for myself. So I'm going to take June and July off and I'm going to travel with my brother a little bit and um, travel by myself and, and just kind of get grounded um, as we move into the one year anniversary of that historic mission. And, and hopefully I'll have some art and poetry to share with everybody. Of course you will. I mean, after this, it's, it, you need that, that, that certain, it's like having a canvas or having a page. If you keep writing on it, if you keep painting on it, you, yeah, you, you add layers and there's, you know, there's a certain beauty of it, but at one point you have to create that space, you know, you have to start with that blank canvas, that blank page and see and give room, create room. Cause I think that your brain um, by default wants to expand and create, but most of the time we're constantly kind of making it on defense. There's too much stimuli, there's too much to process. So it's, it's filtering rather than expanding. And sometimes you kind of like, you need to clear the desk so that you can have a certain clarity and let your body kind of like, okay, now I can, I can, I can expand I can go to places where I didn't go before. So I can't wait. I'm pretty sure the public is really looking forward to the next book, the next book of poetry and what that blank canvas is going to bring to you. Um, the sign we're looking forward. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Daniel, for having me. And I look forward to finally meeting you in person at Yuri's night. Absolutely. We have, uh, we'll continue that conversation. So until then, wishing you all the best and I will see you very soon. Dr. Cyan Proctor, thank you so much. Thank you.